by faith. By faith, I believe in a God who loves. By faith, I believe in a God who laughs with saints and sinners alike. By faith, I believe in creation. By faith, I believe in Jesus and his sacrifice for me. And because I believe, I live a life that should demonstrate that love, that laughter, that creativity, and that grace. I should be free. Hi, and welcome to Tabit School U. My name is Kathy Britton, and I'm here with three amazing guests. I would like you guys to introduce yourself and tell me what's the most daring thing that you've done to get us started. My name is Alyssa Jeffers, and I would say the most daring thing um, was just driving in a bus in another country. <laughs> no rules, huh? Yeah, no rules. <laughs> uh, my name is Michael Martell, and probably the most daring thing I've ever done is, is trying um, like a, a local dish in a food truck in a different country. Mm. Oh, you uh, are daring. That was daring. Oh, <laughs> props to you. Yeah. What about you, Jared? I am Jared okay. Snyder, and the most daring thing I've done is probably free climbed on a, on a rock ledge. That's awesome. Well, I think the most daring thing that I've done is I am very, very scared of birds. And I went to Parrot Jungle, which is like bird heaven in uh, Florida. So I think that's the most daring thing that I've ever done. Uh, Jared, to get us started, do you mind uh, reading our Bible scripture, telling us what that is and also praying for us? Sure. Our Bible scripture today is Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So we bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you that we could study the Bible and help us to help others. Amen. 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 Okay, so the lesson uh, this week is called Living by Faith. And this is an interesting uh, lesson because we can go so many ways of this. But I'm going to start off by telling you guys a story that I heard. Um, it was about... This older man, uh, he was in the hospital, and a minister uh, went to visit him and saw that there was a chair, an empty chair next to him, and he was like, uh, so he walked in and he was like, oh, you were expecting me because there's an empty chair. He's like, close the door. The older man said, close the door. And so he walks in and he's like, um, actually, that chair wasn't for you. I have a chair here because a long time ago when I was learning um, how to pray and about Christianity, uh, they told me that I should talk to Jesus as if he's someone sitting in a chair next to me. And so he's always had a chair when he talks to Jesus and he's always talked like that, like to Jesus. And um, so a couple of days later after visiting with him, uh, the man passes away and the minister talks to his daughter and asks, you know, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, he went in peace. It was very, you know, I mean, he's resting now. Uh, but one thing that I found curious was that right before he died, he leaned out his hand and he touched the chair next to him. And that brings chills to my body when I heard that story. But I think it's awesome because living by faith, that's what I think about. Something that we can't see, but we truly believe in. What does living by faith mean to you guys? Um, for me personally, I think it just means, um, you know, feeling that Jesus is real to you like that. Um, and it's funny you say that because I had an individual who I went to church with and he would go into the sanctuary and talk to, to God like he was there sitting right next to him on the pew. And that's just having the faith to believe that Jesus is 
you know, just as real as, as anyone else, Absolutely. as you and I. Living by faith means to me is no matter what's going on around me, I can have faith that God knows best for my life and that he will lead me through it. Um, yeah, I mean, Proverbs 20, uh, Proverbs 28 and Proverbs 29 actually talk a lot about faith. And one thing that I noticed, because it, it goes from talking about faith to talking about the law. And we don't think about it per se all the time, faith and law to go hand in hand. But I feel like it does. You know, when we have faith in something, when we believe in something, we like our moms, when we love our moms and we have faith that when we get home, I don't know if faith is the right word for this, but we trust that when we get home, our mom is going to have dinner ready for us. This is obviously not now, but when I was younger, I, I didn't even like look at restaurants on the way home. I knew my mom would have dinner for us. And I feel like that's the same way God works. And so, you know, I, I didn't stop because that was like the rule in the house. You can't stop and eat out during the week, only in the weekends. And so I didn't feel like I needed to because I had faith that at the end there was going to be a meal for me. So in the same way, um, I feel like God works with the law. What do you guys think? Um, how does faith and the law relate to each other? If we look at the law of gravity, we have faith that when we drop a ball, it's going to hit the floor. So, I mean, it, there's going to be a time where you drop a ball and just floats there. It's going to be against the law. So you have faith that things are always going to work the way they're supposed to work. Mm -hmm. and, and so to parlay off of that, um, if, if, we can, if we can look at the concept of gravity, knowing that because of gravity, if you drop a ball, it's going to drop, I, th I think you first need to understand who Jesus is, recognize that he is real in your life, and then once you've made that decision, your faith is really what's going to point you to who Jesus is. And just like we have no proof of what gravity is except for the fact that there's a definition for it, there's science behind it, and we believe it. And I think that um, we, we have to define who Jesus is. The science behind it is how he works in our life. And then we have to believe that he's continuously there for us. So what role does the law play in our lives especially as it relates to Jesus. I think the way we, link, we put that link together is, is by following the laws that are mandated for us, that are given to us actually as a gift, they help us navigate through life. And if you know how to get through life and you know that your life is supposed to be a, a reciprocated gift back to the person who gave it to you, that's how I build a link. The, the purpose of the law in my life is to help guide me through this gift that God has given me, and what am I going to do to give it back to Him? Um, I have faith in who He is to me, and I think that faithfulness requires me to have some sort of allegiance, and I use the law to help me build that definition for myself. Well, I guess where I was going with it, I mean, I completely agree, but where I was going is, I don't, sometimes we see the law as a negative thing. We um, think of it in a negative aspect, but I think that sometimes like it just makes sense. Like when you love Jesus and when you have faith in him, those you want to follow the law. You know, and what are, when we think about the law, what do we think about? The Ten Commandments. And why would we want to hurt our neighbors if we, you know, if we have faith that there's an ultimate God who loves us and died for us and 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, so that's essentially what I'm saying. So that, yeah. that is the idea behind following the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. you're, you're using them to navigate yourself through this life. And if you know that you are here um, as a gift, your life is a gift. We're here to be um, uh, in awe of who God is. We were created in his image. We're supposed to be this reflection of who he's supposed to be. We need to share that with others. And my faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for me makes it easier for me to follow the law. And so, and that's how I kind of see that link working. I don't think it's an easy definition, but for me, that's how I kind of move through life with the relationship of who God is and what the law is and how it points back to one another. Mm. So that kind of goes with our next question, which is why is faith in God ultimately a rational position? It makes sense. It makes sense. Like, why, why wouldn't you? Mm. Mm -hmm. when, when a law, like a scientific law, comes, it's because it's been tested. It's because it's been tried. And so when you test and try God, he comes through every time. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it takes a certain amount of time for each individual to develop what that journey looks like for them. Um, it's easy for us to say, oh, it makes sense if you've taken that step in faith to define who Jesus is to you, to, to see how he's manifested himself in your life, um, to, to kind of come to that understanding. But that's why it's important, I think, to, to start seeking out that relationship because it helps, to it helps to make that definition. It helps to test that theory. It helps to, um, to give that, that concept reality. And then once you have made it real to you, once it's been revealed to you, then you can have that faith moving through life and, and using the law as the guide to help navigate through it. Absolutely. Um, nobody has, obviously, on this earth kept all the laws perfectly because we all sin and lie. Um, but what would life be like if we didn't have any of these laws? I mean, I know this sounds like a silly question, but let's, let's just take one, two of the laws out. Chit, you have 10 commandments, choose two. Let's choose two right now and remove those and let's see what life would be out. I'll choose one. Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not steal. Okay, so we have those two. <clears throat> what would it be like to live our lives without those two, like without those two being an actual law? I mean, if there is no regulations against those two things, yeah. you will get people who are murdering <laughs> and, and stealers. stealing all the time. I mean, that would be a commonplace thing because, figured it out. Because, they haven't, <laughs> because, because they haven't been taught any different, because there, is no, because there is no law against it, therefore it's commonplace, therefore there's nothing wrong with it in their eyes. Okay, yeah, that's right. So if those rules would have never been established, yes, it would be normal. But what kind of life would we be living? Right. You know, so it, uh, again, like all Proverbs, I feel like it's filled with a lot of little nuggets of just, some of them are like, duh, you know, but there, sometimes we forget. Um, actually, uh, there's one that says, The wicked man, it's actually uh, Proverbs 28.1, and it says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Like, yeah, that's what the word bold means. But it's like these little nuggets of wisdom that, like, sometimes we forget. And same thing with, like, 
that's how it's applying the law. You know, sometimes we see it as a negative thing, but really it's just making our everyday living a little better. Talking of nuggets of wisdom, another thing that um, the lesson talks about or this uh, chapter talks about is about the poor, I mean the rich. So lessons for the rich and for becoming wealthy. What are your thoughts on that? Is it bad to be rich? I don't think it's bad um, as long as you come about being rich in an honest way. You know, I think that the Bible definitely promotes working hard for your money um, and then also not being greedy if you are rich, helping those in need. Um, um, so to, to take that and point it towards whether or not it can lead to bad, I think sometimes with, with wealth, uh, there, there can be a concept of self-sustainability. Mm. There's, no, there's self-reliance. I have this wealth, I can provide for myself, I can provide for my friends and family, I, I don't really need for anything. Mm. Um, so you kind of stop relying on what ultimately is the life giver, who, which could be, you know, which is Jesus Christ. And um, I think that's the danger I think someone could face when looking at wealth. So I think it's important to remember that wealth has definite benefits. Mm -hmm. And how you come about receiving that wealth, how you manage that wealth is important, but ultimately to remember that that wealth is not the reason you have what you have. It's not the reason that you can maintain your life, your lifestyle. God, Jesus is the reason. These are a this is a blessing for you. And so um, to make sure that you're not navigating into a realm where you're becoming reliant on yourself because you have these resources, you have to stay connected to, to who or what your purpose ultimately is. That's, that was what, sorry to interrupt you, but that's what I was gonna ask. Like, we know these things, but how do we, how do we draw the line? How do we know when, uh, when we, our, our money is getting to our head? How do we know if, because I know a lot of people, um, you know, f famous people that have a lot of money and do give a lot to charity, but you can tell that they're not necessarily very giving in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. They're not very humble in the way they live their lives. Actually, does humility have anything to do with it? Like, Absolutely. So if you're rich and have a lot of money, you still have to be humble about it, so you shouldn't buy the fanciest car or the biggest house? You know, I, I think there are different, <laughs> I think there are different perspectives on it. I know wealthy people who have massive homes and they have beautiful cars, but that's not what they have chosen to define themselves by. Okay. It's not something that they, they need to flaunt um, in the way we would expect someone with those things to flaunt. Absolutely. Um, you know, they open their homes to, to you know, youth groups and, the, and churches and programs, and, and, and with this gift, they are returning mm -hmm. back something to the communities that they're a part of. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, no, it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be hard to remain humble with wealth. It's a decision that you have to make. And I think that that points to the type of individual that has chosen to manage their wealth, mm -hmm. to be a steward of that wealth, and to remember that 
this is not something I have gained for myself. It's not something that I work so hard for that I can choose to do whatever I want with. It's something that I've worked hard for and in return I've been blessed with. And so now I have to manage that well. And so I think when you have that concept and you utilize that concept, humil humility is easier to come by. Absolutely. Um, okay, so here's a scenario. I'm walking down the street and a whole big chunk of money, lots and lots and lots of money, lots and gets, lots of yeah, gets dropped in front of me. And this money is mine. It actually has a little ticket on it. It says, for Gati, from Anonymous. And I'm so happy about to put this in my bank account. What measures should I take so that this doesn't get to my head? Like, other than, you know, the cliche, have a relationship with Jesus, which is, I'm not saying that's not what you should do, but what measures should I take to, you know, so that this money doesn't get to my head? Because um, this, um, this, like these verses straight up just say, better a poor man, this is verse six um, on chapter 28, better a poor man who walks, uh, whose walk is blameless blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. Verse four says, um, that's not the right verse, but I mean all right here, uh, verse eight, he who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Like it literally, you know, says to be careful with being poor. So how could I be careful with this big chunk of money that just got dropped in front of me? You know, <laughs> I, 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 think, like, I think some of these questions, I mean, they beg for cliche responses, but um, ultimately it's because I think it's the truth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you come up against this, this wad of cash, it's, you know, $100,000. Oh, I what was are thinking the first, bigger than that. Okay, a million dollars. Yeah. But what are the first things that run through your head? You know, we have, we, I think we're called to a higher purpose than what happens tomorrow mm -hmm. or what happens next week or what will I buy with this money. Um, and I think that if, if, if you are truly moving through life in a way that has a defined purpose, those are never going to be your first thoughts. You're, if, if you haven't come to a point in your in your growth as first a human being, then maybe say a Christian or say as, you know, just as a, 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 a citizen in a community, I think everyone has a point at which they have to grow. So there's going to be different levels that people come in at. So, you know, they're like, I really want a few new pairs of shoes and then like maybe I'll help the boys and, boys and girls club out. You know, that maybe that's where someone else is and then someone else is like, you know, I've wanted to give to a charity for quite some time and that's where they are and they turn it all over to a charity and someone's like more like in the middle where, you know, I'm gonna keep this all in my bank account. If someone is in need and asks me, I'll give. <laughs> Everyone I think will come in at a different mm -hmm. point. Yeah. But the idea is to shape your reality in such a way where you're not always thinking of you first. We're, how, can, how can we shift our mind and our perspective to think of others first? And that's really what the law is about. That's how the law is summed up. Love your, love your God, love your neighbor. And if those can be the focal points of, of how you move through life, excuse me, I think you're gonna start making different kinds of decisions. So, so the law has a purpose. Um, and your relationship with Christ, I think, helps point back to that purpose and and I, I you know that's what I got <laughs> <laughs> the, the verse 8 says it all too it says who will be kind to the poor you know so if you're just amassing wealth for yourself 
then who's going to be kind to the, for the poor? Mm -hmm. And so that you have to, it's, it's, you have to learn to use your money, you know, use what God has given you for others and for the benefit of all. Uh, you know that Jesus um, called riches deceitfulness, the deceitfulness of riches. Why, why, I feel like that's a strong word. Why do you think that is? It's kind of like what we've been talking about. Wealth can be deceitful. It, it, it allows you to come by things that you would not have been able to do without it. Um, it, it you know, without wealth, you can't purchase things. You can't, without some sort of wealth, you can't, you know, enjoy certain, you know, extravagant things in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so with it, you can easily become deceived that these things are affordable to you because of For what wealth time. is. Mm -hmm. yeah. When, if you removed wealth, how would you come about those things? And so I feel like wealth is a manifestation of how we can help others. And wealth doesn't have to be monetary. But I mean, if you look at the prodigal son, when his father gave him his inheritance, he went off. He had friends, he had riches, he had, you know, parties every night. But then what happened when he lost it? All those friends left, the, the party stopped, and he was then feeding pigs. So in that case, wealth is deceitful. deceitful. It fooled him into thinking he had friends. It fooled him into thinking he could live this life for the rest of his life. It's... Mm -hmm. I think um, something that we hear a lot is, uh, well, maybe in the Spanish culture we hear a lot, but the love for money and how it's dangerous. So they emphasize a lot, you know, like don't necessarily love the materialistic things that you have, but, you know, know where they came from. And I think that that it becomes deceitful when your love is focused on the money or when because I'm not saying it's bad to succeed in your career. I'm not saying it's bad to get a gift that was dropped in front of you and put in your bank account or whatever. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying how, how, where your love, where your passion, where your heart is, is where we have to be careful. Because um, that's, I mean, and Proverbs 28, I mean, I feel like if a bag of money was dropped in front of me, I you guys, I would expect you to come up to me and say, Kathy, here's Proverbs 28, <laughs> read it, and then go do whatever you want with your money just as a reminder. Um, okay, let's go to another question. Uh, what is your, oh, in what practical ways can the Decalogue be shared so that it is treasured and honored? Which is the law that we've been talking about. Um, I think it's very important for us to realize that individuals may not necessarily be at the same place we are in our walk, so it's um, important to tread cautiously and um, in our attitude, um, really, we can show them much like Christ did um, through, you know, the choices that we make in our life, um, but definitely not to push it on them and um, to do it in a loving and Christ-like manner. What does that entail? Like when you say in a loving, and, and yeah, you did say by example, mm -hmm. but example can only go so much. It, obviously, I, I think an example is a huge, like when we are example of, when we show how we should behave to other people, visually, through example, they will get it. But how do you eventually, you know, sit them down and say, these, 
like the way I'm living is actually in the Bible. This is, <laughs> you, you should be like this. <laughs> no, I'm not like that. But how, like, how would you say that? Obviously not the way I put it. How could you share that? I know it's a tricky question. The way you're going to come off is extremely important. Um, you're not going to want to say, hey, look, you're doing it wrong. Just shadow me for a week and then you'll kind of get it. That's not going to work. I think um, when we say lead by example, sometimes you don't have to say anything. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to figure out how we will change someone so that we can be effective in ministry. How will we make them do this? And I think we keep forgetting it's not us who does the changing. Mm. It's, it's Christ who does the changing. So we just have to ask that we, I think through prayer, we ask that we live a life that is impressive to someone else um, and the way how God would have us live, that they are inspired through our actions, uh, through our examples, to kind of seek out what lifestyle that is. What does this person do? What does this person So kind of for them to with? do it on their own, yeah. almost, for, okay. So not our, our prayer should be that we live a, our lives in such a way that others can see Christ through us. Yeah. And I think that's the most effective way we can live as Christians and be effective in helping others come to uh, the realization of who Christ is in their life. Yeah, because we look at Jesus. And when Jesus was here on earth, what did he do first? He healed and then preached. You know, so he obviously walked um, a righteous life and... He showed how happy he was and how he was doing things correctly, and then people started asking questions. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, eventually we would, they will ask, you know, so we'd have to be prepared to say that. But, well, thank you guys for being here today. Thank you. Um, I hope you guys learned something. I did. <laughs> um, if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Kathy Uriton.